The Damaged Goods Podcast. I don't like the way we we smoke taste, though. See, I I don't like the way tobacco tastes, but I want to smoke cigarettes. So this is me smoking cigarettes. <laughs> it's like living a lifelong dream without having to smoke get cancer. Although I hit like my seventies, that's when I'll start cigarettes. <laughs> Time, dude, start heroin and cigarettes in the seventies. As long as I that's make, where, as long as I make it that far. That's where to go out. Yeah, you know, like if you start in your twenties, you might. It just ruins everything. Then you got to go to do the 70s all sober, you know? <laughs> you know, you know. But you looking youthful and lively, man, for a man who was on, on stage last night. You're not tired or nothing? Yeah, I, that's why I was talking so low in the beginning. I'm trying to catch my, my bearings, man. I had to go get a shot of uh, do it because I haven't drank like in years. Oh, shit. Good for you. I can't, because I can't. Like, this should have killed me. And then oh. I just slipped up last night. You had a drink at the, at the venue? Yeah, somebody passed, somebody offered you a shot, like in a celebratory manner, like, yeah, take one. Well, it was my first time actually going out to like, just like around the same people for two nights in a row. Oh, yeah. And I was like, all right, whatever. Like, I had a little money in my pocket, so I bought like a shot. And then like the owner bought me then to the VIP. Like, it was great. You got to drink then, right? Then I ended up in like some nightclub. Those are the best you just end up there. Yeah. You don't know. Well, how I met the I met the DJ outside. Like you know how you get. Like well, me, like now, <laughs> I'll, I'll just be working. Yeah. And I just met a DJ who while he was parking his car, he got me in. So that shit was wacky shit though, man. Cocaine <laughs> beer, man. Too old for that shit. Was it? It was. Is it music making it whack, or was it just being in a club when you're at the age you're at? Well, I mean, club music, club music. Yeah. Like, it hasn't changed much over the years. Like, but um. No, nah, it was just like there's mad young people in there. Oh yeah, you know what I'm saying? Like just, like you can't even walk by a girl in the club and like bump into her because she thinks you're trying to like rape or something. It's weird, bro. It's weird. Yeah. I mean, I guess when you look like this, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. I don't know. Like it was mad weird. I, like, I almost got to a fight. Like this girl kept pointing at me, like so. I bumped into her when I first walked in, and she. Did you say excuse me? Back. Did you say excuse so me? I did. Well, I said excuse me, but when I did, my arms all mad. We went out and grabbed her, so she didn't hit the um the, the, the thing separating the VIP section and bust her ass. Yeah. And then I put my hands like this, yo, my bad. And then she just wanted to hold on to it, so I guess she was with some like, I don't know, some MMA MMA fighters or some shit. Oh, careful, <laughs> I don't careful. know. Yeah. Like she wanted all the smoke. She's like, "Go get him, yo!" I kept checking it. The dudes were like, "Yo, I don't know what's up with her." <laughs> yeah, girls, girls that get you in more physical altercations than than just you on your own out with your boys. No, I've been there. I've been there. Yeah, you know. But I mean, if you with a shorty and you get in the one fight and she see you nice with it, if she's a toxic woman, if she, she wants you to fight for her, right? Yeah, she's gonna she's gonna want you to flex on dudes or people if she's mad, right? Or just feeling it. A, a, a good woman. Can see that 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 you know the nice with your hands, she's gonna avoid it by all costs. Hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like she'll she'll go talk to somebody like, you know what I'm saying? Lethal like weapon. personal issues between, between like associates and shit. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? She's like, baby, that, come on, don't don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, man. So you were on stage last night, um, in the comedy facet, not the music facet. Yeah, right? And I fucking bombed. <laughs> isn't that isn't that like? absolutely necessary in the stage and comedy? I, yeah, I think people got it twisted. Like, you think you're funny, you're going, no, you're going to bomb in comedy and you're going to quit before you, you're going to quit before you go anywhere if you're not dedicated to the, to the art field. What's, what's harder, bombing in comedy or bombing in live hip hop? If I bomb in live hip hop, I'm going to go home and want to kill myself. <laughs> it's, it's fucking different. <laughs> you hold that art so close to your heart, that's why, you know, it's a, it's a craft you've been mastering for fucking, before I knew you, so it's a yeah. long time. Well, I started. I started writing poetry. I was ten years old, and uh, I just loved it. And then one of the dudes from my projects came to my crib and was reading my poetry. He's like, "What's this?" I said, "Poetry." He's like, what? "Why are you writing poems about killing cops?" <laughs> He's like, "These are rhymes." <laughs> yeah. I just. I always use. Always use this art to like, like just uh, process. Mm. So I mean, my brother got killed by the police in 1984 in front of my house, unarmed. So then I was like, whoop. 
and that was it. Now you got, what you got? How many different subgenres of hip hop we got now? Fuck, I'm sure it grows every year. There's probably two or three. Bro, like, that's why I love hip hop. Like, um, Kurt Cobain said it back in like in the early 90s. He was like, hip hop's the last creative form of music because anything after hip hop is going to be hip hop. Yeah, that's, that's a he hit the fucking nail on the head. And that's a guy who dedicated his life to uh, punk rock. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, this pop music now is hip hop. This this multifaceted, multi-talented voice you're hearing on Damage Goods this week is uh is not only a dear friend of mine for over 20 years, but he's an incredible MC, incredible artist, uh, uh a renaissance man, a modern day renaissance man, uh a polymath, as you mentioned earlier. And that's why he's discussing stand-up comedy. Is my man uh Quiz, Quiz the Coyote. Um, maybe hey, formerly known, some people might have known you as Amadeus the Stampede. But uh, yeah. But now like, doing the comedy, cutting in and out. Yeah, now nah, you know what? Funny last night I met a dude from Orange County who does real estate. That's probably the place to be if you do real estate. He was like, I was like, yo, I'm about to do this podcast tomorrow. He's like, yo, that shit's big out here. Like, you know what I'm saying? the Harris, fucking traffic. Yeah. <laughs> Thirty minutes to go two miles. So you need something to listen to, you know. Um, but uh, it's just it's ill to me, like. So for people that don't know, Quiz and I, you know, shared so many stages and studios together in the greater good and shit. And to watch somebody I know who is a, a beast of an MC on stage going into another art form that requires, especially the initial stages, uh, being on a stage. God, I use the word stage like five times there. But being <laughs> on a stage for comedy in the early stages, before comedians get their sitcoms or their big hour specials or whatever, they're on stages in smaller venues and I don't know. I always looked at stand-up comedy kind of like emceeing and shit. And it's actually fucking ill to see somebody I, I'm friends with going from one to the other or growing, you know, expand that going from one to the other, but growing and doing both. Because I've always thought it would be a transition that made sense. Yeah. I, well, I talked about it for a long time because um, <clears throat> like what I got now, like I tell stories. So if the story does well, I keep the story. But what you can do, like, I think it was uh, Bruce Lee says something in the, in the front of his book, Jeet uh, Kune Do. He was like, take your life experiences and make them your own. And so <clears throat> comedy gives you a chance to actually tell actual stories, but then you get to, you get to own them shits and make them what you want to be for, for yourself and other people. Cause like, you like, tell a story and you tell it in a funny, yeah. sick kind of like way to make something horrible funny to yeah. other people and at that same time every time people laugh at that it's like yeah life ain't that bad it helps you, know what I'm you. Like, it helps you. yeah yeah it's, it's like uh and then you know again like the jester was the one the only guy in the fucking whole land who could disrespect the king yeah and get away with it unless yeah, yeah. without getting yeah. headed yeah. unless they if they bomb though if a jester bomb he probably did get thrown to the line <laughs> yeah <laughs> Yeah, man. I mean, that's like, that's what I do with writing my books and short stories is I'm taking otherwise not great savory moments that are sad, depressing, scary, and using like a, a humor, humorous angle on it, a humorous eye on it as a survival tactic to, to deal with it, to process it, like you said. And then when other people read it, or if I even hear it back to me from other people, it helps heal that moment for me and maybe puts it in perspective. Like things that can't be that bad, you know, laugh, like dark comedy. I get that from my mother's Irish side. It's a, it's a tactic for centuries of survival, you know? I mean, I bombed last night for that reason. Like I said something that hurt the uh, people running this. It, it don't matter. Oh. <laughs> not a big deal. <laughs> it's not a big deal. I mean, dude, I but, say, um, say shit that hurts people all the time, apparently, I, I guess. But um, yeah, it's crazy how many uh, trans comedians I see now. Trans like, comedians, you said? There was, there's been a trans comedian at every show I've done. And where are you doing these these shows, these comedy shows for everybody in, well, in Philadelphia? This, last week, this this week I was in Philadelphia. Monday through Thursday. Yeah. They got a good comedy scene there or what? Actually, it's pretty cool, man. Depending on what part of the city you go to. There's a couple clubs where, you know, people from different places, they, they go there, but then there's other clubs where all the same people go at the same time. And they kind of like intermingle because it's like a million and a half people in Philly. So it's not right. that big of a city. So, yeah. There's some pretty big comedians that have come from Philly and shit. 
So I'm actually a good scene. Yeah, Kevin Hart. Fucking. Oh, you watch that true? You watch that true story shit? Nah, I didn't watch. I'm real picky about watching shit on Netflix. I always think it's gonna not be good. But is it good? I mean, Wesley Snipes, and I fuck with Wesley Snipes hard. You liked it? I'm losing. Yeah, there. It's good. I gotta. It's it's, it's more of a um. No, you gotta see it, man. You know, there's so many parts that you'll fucking laugh at that are mad serious. See, I like that. How he say this? How he how he says this shit? Yeah, I mean, yo, like, I I find humor in things that sometimes aren't even maybe meant to be humorous, and you just look at it, and there's some absurdity to it or something, and I'll I'll find that humor, or it finds me, and then I find myself laughing. And for people who I think don't have, should I say, the same sense of humor, or what I would say, a good sense of humor, they look at that and they think I'm some sick fucker. Like, how could you laugh at that? You know, they're so poor. Yeah, yeah. Like, sorry, I'm I'm trying to fucking get through it. You're getting through it your way by being uptight and nervous, and I'm <laughs> yeah. at a fucking funeral. Sorry, but it helps, man. Do you um, you know what I always thought about the heart, like putting MC and 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 live comedy up, and you look at the two of them. Even if you're say you were doing a solo quiz show, no group, it's just you and a DJ, but you got music in the back. Yeah. And then I would always see comedians as like, there's no DJ. There's no music. It's just you and your right. voice. I was always like, that's got to be so much harder because you don't have anything to those, fall back on to rope them in. Hot ass lights are just beaming on you. You can't even see the crowd. You know Sweat, you're not like, even moving like when you're rapping. You're standing still and you're hot. Yeah. Right? yeah. Like, so like even like you're on the comedy stages, you got them lights on you and you're like standing to the abyss. Like Some nights you'll get it. I'm, and I only did it like a handful of times. You got to think. Like, I'm just hit the double. I just hit the double digits. So I've been bombing every time pretty much, but I, I'm starting to get my type five. Um, but I talk about it a lot so I can remind myself because, you know, I'm, the healing process, I mean, especially like I'm dealing with a spiritual awakening like everybody else. I feel like yeah. there was some sort of like shift on, on the planet. You know what I mean? Like people are starting to talk about things like, you know, like Kundalini and all that other yeah, shit. No. Like, Yo, people are away from... My girl went through that shit like a year and a half ago. She had her awakening and, and you know, a lot of the words in her vernacular, like what you're saying and, and where her mind's at. And it's a great thing because I had mine some years ago. To, so seeing her go through it, a lot of other people, it's, it's beautiful, you know? Yeah, like, but at the same time, it's like, it's not like when people think about spirituality, it's, it's fucking dark, man. Yeah, it's not gentle and flowers and shit. It's yeah, not it's all dark. It's like, you gotta, you gotta go through some shit. You gotta go do some shit. Yeah. That nobody can help you with. You yeah. gotta figure out some shit that nobody can help you figure out. It's so heavy. You gotta put your, you gotta, you gotta look towards something higher than yourself. And that thing is real. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, so bro, that I'm glad you said that because and I think you can relate to this. So, like when I went through my shit, you know, and I've talked about it on here for listeners who are sorry about the repetition, but deal with it. Like my first <laughs> ayahuasca ceremonies and shit, you know. I, I, before I, I was living, and I think you maybe at one point in your life might've been living like this too, where we put a lot of weight on our backs. We didn't really yeah. look to a, a power greater than us. We thought the greater power laid within, which to a degree it does, yeah. but it puts a lot of pressure on yourself. And then when you do go through an intense period of self-reflection, intense, like looking at all the bad, dark shit, like you're saying, yeah. fighting it, you do, at least for me, and apparently for you, I came to this realization and understanding that Dude, I'm a fucking humble little creature, and there is so much more greater power out there and greater energy. And when I found out that that existed or acknowledged and admitted and started operating like that, it humbled me. And, and it also eventually took all that weight and that stress off my back, you know, or most of it, I should say. I, I think because to, to be humbled is to like, it's good. So, I mean, like, even last night, it humbled me. Like, I wasn't supposed, I should have just went home. I got to like a little bit of an accident on the way there. A vehicle and, accident, car accident. Yeah, not serious, but my adrenaline was running. So I came in there like just litty. So I should have just went home, but I'm not thinking like that yet. You know what I'm saying? I'm getting there, that grown up shit. Like, I yeah. No, I feel you. I still do that sometimes, especially when the adrenaline takes over. I don't know. We just kind of ride it like a wave, you know, wherever it takes us, which sometimes well, it takes us to a bad place. That's second nature. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Coming from certain ways of life, like, you yeah. know what I mean? Like, true, true, indeed, yeah. yeah. 
So, like, I wasn't humble at all last night, and that's why I bombed. I, I'll give you that much. You know so, what's it's impressive that, like, a lot of people I find out as they get older don't, don't do new things that forces them to learn something new and challenge themselves because it's humbling. Like, if you learn how to play an instrument in your teens or in your early yeah. 20s, you're doing a music career or you're making movies or whatever, and you get good at it, it's hard when you hit your mid-30s or even later to want to learn something new when say you got really good at some other shit to learn some new shit that you're not good at, go through that whole learning process, except you're not 15 or 24, you're 38 or whatever. And it's, that's really humbling. And to go out and do like, like comedy live, or for me, it was like learning to surf in my thirties, like physically getting humbled by the ocean. And like, you know, it's like, fuck, you got to like, doesn't matter what other shit you do that you're good at. You're doing some yeah. shit. And I have a lot of friends, people I know who just never, after a certain age would ever try anything new because of that, that, that learning curve of hum, humbling, you know, being humbled. If that makes sense, you know, oh. um, yeah. I'm getting certified in this one thing called uh, WCS. I'm almost done with that. Uh, this guy is pretty WCS, big on What does that explain? Uh, that? Warfare combat systems. It's a guy from Korea. He's, he's DKU is his name. He's pretty That's big. DKU. Fan of the podcast. Yeah. So I'm almost done with his first round. And then, like, it's it's more conditioning now. Like, I'm not, like, I'm not trying to learn how to fight. I've been to how to fight. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's not martial arts. And, like, when I when I didn't have the physical capabilities to move the way I, I, I can normally move, I fell into the philosophy. Mm. So, like, people think that, you know, like, even, like, with MMA, like, it's brutish. It's, it's, it's meathead shit. But at the same time, the classical arts are poetic yeah in 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 in, 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 in language and in yeah in like so you know like i think i think like a misconception people have even with like things like mma and shit is like doesn't matter how tough you are how many matches you won like you're gonna even in in practice or, or training and like sparring or whatever I said practice. <laughs> like you're gonna get you're gonna get lumped up at some point, even if it's just your sparring partner, or you know, even if you win a match, you could be all broken armed or whatever. And it constantly humbles you. And you know, people say there's you know, people that that do combat sports like that uh are tend to be more humble than just your average brutish guy at the sports bar because he knows what it's like to get hit in the fucking face in the head, you know. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's what I, I met a lot of those guys over the years and I was thinking about it, and that, like I feel good. I, like I want to like there's a, I want to start fighting. Com like I want to do combat sports or something. Like just to be like I did that. Yeah, yeah. You know, I, mean, I, I, I fought with rules. You know what I'm saying? Win, lose, or draw. Like you have to get in there and know that you can't <laughs> to win, bro. Have you, you know ever what? have you ever fought in a, in a in a whatever setting where there is like rules or regulations? Well, I, I went to uh, Pernell Whitaker's boxing camp when I was 13 for the summer. Shit. That's how you got those. Bro, he didn't let us get hands, into the rental like that. Huh? That's how you got them quick hands, man. Those quiz hands. Yeah, though, his, his people, heads don't know. Fast in his defense. Like, yeah, it was unparalleled at the time. Yeah, but I was 13 when I went to his camp, and it was all conditioning for the most part. Hmm. Thousand jabs a day, whatever, running. We had to run there. But he when, when I did get in the ring, I was he put me in the ring with my homie who, who put me on. And my homie was mad short. He was almost like a foot shorter than me. And he kept jabbing me in the stomach and I got mad. Like long jabs, not like <laughs> like his whole- the Kidneys and shit? But just long jabs, I couldn't get to him. Oh, 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 he had a long reach, you mean? Oh. <laughs> yeah, because he was he was just that short, that much shorter than me. He had to go down too low to hit me like- Oh, yeah. And I got mad, I got mad, like uh, frustrated. But then I was like, damn, well, I got to learn how to fight somebody shorter than me. Yeah. Yo, dudes that are a short, stocky build, I always, my experience, have, like, the physique and frame for fighting, like, especially if it goes to the ground and grappling, because they're not tall and, and shit like me and Lanky, where you could, it could be throwing your balance off, and they're not, like, fat and rotund and shit. They're this perfect, stocky build, dude, where, like, it's, I don't know, man, they just, they're good for that. They're fine. MMA, I, I, I love watching MMA, but people don't like watching, like, combat sports with me. With, with you? Why is that? Are you a bad viewer? Are you spoiler and alerting the shit, or what? You too crazy? Yeah, I'll just be calling it like, yeah, like I know what's gonna happen. I'll be calling and shit like, yo, he gonna take his leg. Like, <laughs> if he don't throw the overhead, like, if he, if he don't throw this proper punch, like, if he don't throw this punch all night, he gonna lose. Like, you know what I mean? It's just, you can tell. Yeah.
early, like before yeah. they even fight. Like when I was watching it all the time, if you brought me to see a fight, like, yeah, it's like you already know. Yeah, I mean, I was so it's not like, like I said, it's not they go in there as two men, there ain't nobody in yeah. there with you. Yeah. But the, what the announcers and everybody else knows, like, once you're in there, you don't think like that. It's like when you go on stage, yeah, you go on stage, you're, you're prepared for something, but you in there, like, once it start going, yeah, it's like you gotta improvise, think on your go feet. Wrong. yeah. What if the, the music cuts out, the DJ cuts out? What if yeah, the mic yeah. cuts out? What if you got some, some other crazy dude in the crowd and jumping up on stage? It's, unpredictability man you know um and you know like i actually wondered with comedy i mean you and i noticed from a music perspective that like especially in hip-hop man when i was young before i was even performing like just going to open mics and battles like it was a rough crowd places where we were rhyming and and, and you might have had to have words or fucking hands with somebody just over performing even if you're on stage you know wrong people saying crazy shit to you you know there's comedy there's hecklers I've always wondered, like, has it ever, and maybe if you know any examples, like, has heckling ever gone past, like, some dude in the crowd talking shit to the comedian, the comedian roasting him? Has it ever, like, dude jump up on stage trying to take a comedian? Has a comedian ever jumped off the stage and fucked the dude up? Not, not with us, not in the shows I've been to, but there's a video of uh, a young, uh, what's his name, Jeff, the dude from Australia, Jim oh, Jeffries. talking about, yeah, yeah. I saw that video. Not he said something. The Australian comedian Jeff something, but I don't know. Uh, yeah, so he he has said something, and the dude like, yo, you gotta see it. What look at when you do rush the stage, fast and shit. Like he popped up like the road runner, and punched and punched and punched him in the oh, face. Oh, so he stole on. Yeah, he, he, he rushed the stage up on stage and punched him yeah. in the face. Security was slacking so, that night. First off, second off, I mean, he I, just jumped off the stage and tackled him. He's a greater good. I, like, I almost, I almost got kicked. I got uh, roasted all night at a, at a um. I had an open mic once because I was like, you know, I'm sitting down and like, I'm just being goofy and shit. I'm like, y'all fucking hate comedians, man. They didn't know I was on an open mic with them. You know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah, of course. I guess it's the same people go every week. I'm like, I fucking hate comedians, man. And the, and the guy who put it together, this big ass, like, like Norse fucking, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, yeah, like Polish mo. Right now, you know what I'm saying? Like, Polish people ain't Norse, we're Slavic. No, I'm saying like, whatever, like just a big <laughs> Eastern <laughs> European dude. He's like, He's like, hey, 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 watch your mouth. Don't have no comedians. I'm like, bro, nobody's going to Was he a comedian himself? Was he a comedian? The guy? Yeah, he was the, he was the host. Yeah. Oh, I didn't know if he was just like, yeah, running the show. Yeah, he, nah, he was running the shit and he was the host. So like, that's how the night started before even lights went out. Yeah. And yeah. Then, and then, no, no, I'm not saying nothing all night. And then I go on stage and nobody was response, responsive to the shit. I, I, remember, I remember one thing I said. I said, what? I said, what blockbuster? Like, you know, we all these movies. Like, what about Black Lead from Boston? And somebody in the crowd just shot it out. Uh, something like uh, Blue Hill, some uh, no, City yeah. on the Hill. City on the Hill. Oh, oh. Watch a TV show. Shut the fuck up. Oh, yeah. I said, blockbuster movies. Like, stop being a dickhead. And then, like, it got worse after that. Oh shit. I was like, yo. I said, oh, you know what I mean? Like, I never seen. Like, I never thought I would see this many incels and baby drowners in the same room. <laughs> it's just disrespectful to both sexes, but you know. Oh shit! Didn't go over well, but I bombed like a motherfucker. I got it on video. Oh man! Somewhere, yeah, somebody. Man, has. Man. Dude, yeah. like I, I've, I've been to like a lot of comedy shows as a fan, and I always suggest to my friends and people I'm going with is like, yo, let's not sit too close, because if you're in direct eye shot, especially under the lights, you're gonna probably get roasted depending on who the comedian is, and uh, you know. I used to not be good at taking that kind of shit. Now I am. And I was at the comedy store in LA a couple of years ago and it was uh, fucking, it was Jeff Ross and David Tell together. They were on stage at the same time. And it was, they came, they were just going around just clowning everybody. So they came to my table. It was me, two of my boys and all of our girls. And oddly, like strangely, me and my two friends were like just randomly all had on dad hats, like this kind of hat. And so like Jeff Ross and David Tell get around to our table and they just flamed us for the dad hats, for looking like little league coaches. And it was, dude, I was crying. It's like, I, I love that I don't take myself serious no more because now I can take those laughs. And everyone forgets about it because they go to the next table and roast them. But old me, especially music me, but it's taking myself so damn serious that I would not have been able to handle that. But now I can. Do you find that you doing comedy lets you take yourself uh, less serious? Um, I never took myself serious, even in music. I think probably, that was probably one of the reasons why 
I didn't get too far. Mm. I didn't have any ambition to do anything, you know, for obvious reasons. Like I was misdiagnosed with schizophrenia. Mm. And, and what the drugs do, they take away your, what, what makes you a man. Like you're what, chemically restrained and also you're chemically castrated. So, you know I mean, what? I'm happy I had, a, I'm happy I had a, a son through all this, but like you can't, I'm not, I wasn't fit to be out there on my own like that. I wasn't fit to be moving with these people in the industry like that. Cause first of all, I know people thought I probably came across as superior. You know what I'm saying? But it was it was literally like, bro, I have no, I'm not conscious of everything going on around me. If I'm looking at something, I'm stuck there for a minute. So, I mean, you, you, I mean, that's funny because in the comedy show, Neil Brennan, when he was doing three mics, he says that he goes, you know, you take these these antidepressants or whatever, and you come across as either cold or yeah, or uninterested, uh, apathetic, yeah, trapped in your own mind. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I mean, I, I you, you'll get a reputation like who the fuck do you think he is like you know what yeah. I mean like he, he better than everybody literally no yeah. <laughs> like I, I just wanted to go home because I'm dealing with some like real serious shit I can't be out here like that. what do you think uh like you know you mentioning that you know some of this medication takes away <laughs> what it is that makes you a man and stuff what is that you you mean like uh, a drive a desire. So, Passion to go out there and earn and, and, and take care of shit and be an alpha male. Oh, yeah. So I had schizophrenia, so that is like basically the worst known to me. Yeah, that's I used to, I had three so, schizophrenic patients when I was going to school and it was it was heavy. And I mean I you and I had already been friends forever, but like yeah. you know, to be around other people with the same condition and, and working with them in a clinical setting, it was heavy. But anyway, my fault. Carry on. No, no, no. Like so. Like in the clinical setting, you gotta think about it. Like that's that's supposed to be safe. Like at one point, I had a agoraphobia. Well, that's so I, I, you don't want to go outside one. Because I felt like outside, like yeah. I started I started like riding the train like in the bus with like my knife in my hand just out like that. Yeah. Because I know I wasn't fast enough to get to it or something happened, and I felt. Like... So is it? Wait, it increased. You felt like it increased your paranoia. I was never really, like I never was paranoid. I mean, like I had the paranoia with like when I was a kid hustling. But what what made you want to like when you rode the train? What made you feel like you had to ride with a knife in your hand? If not paranoia, because that's that's my first the thing that first popped. So, like like picture you trapped in your own mind. Like your your actual self is trapped here. All right, and uh, what you feel actually coming after you. This is what I realized after I got a diploma in demonology. And um, what you actually feel when you like that, like you can feel other people that you care about worrying for you. That's heavy. Super empathic shit. That's super empath shit. So like my mother out there, cause me and my mother didn't always have a good relationship. So the, the, the like, and a lot of people who are diagnosed with schizophrenia, I'm not going to speak for myself, but a lot of people who are diagnosed with schizophrenia, that actually, they have like uh, parapsychological sensitivities, psychic sensitivities. Some of them are mediums, some of them are hyperdimensionals and shit like that, and they can achieve different things. So they call people weak-minded when they can, um, when they have an imagination, it's looked at as weak. Not everywhere, but some place it is. I'm a weak ass motherfucker. Then. My imagination is powerful, so I'm but, a weak. But a schizophrenic can actually, a lot of schizophrenics can actually do, and that's why they say a lot of them are genius, is take a thought and make it real and manifest it physically in, in their mm. own perception, in their own consciousness, mm. like in the world. So you will have a guy like, yo, demons at my door. Like, it's real, demons are at your door, but the demons at your door, those demons represent real people that are yeah. around you. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So, but, but we, we're not educated like that. And a lot of times to get educated like that now, you gotta look into the occult. You know what I'm saying? You gotta get into things that are seen as pagan. Yeah, yeah, evil. very esoteric knowledge. You almost gotta esoteric do something shit. Yeah. People look at you like, oh, wacko, crazy, or I mean, I don't know. Slowly it's starting to get a little more accepted, you know, people being into more like astrological shit or, or the universe or being in tune to, you know, plant medicine and those things aren't even where you're talking about, but those trickling in the mainstream society, I think helps slowly open the door to the uh, understandings that you're referring to becoming more acceptable, but still it's for, by the general mass, it's looked at as weird, you know? Yeah. It's, it's so, I mean, I mean, what you do, because <clears throat> I met a guy, I mean, I actually know a girl's a medium. I know like I've met a few mediums 
since I started studying demonology and parapsychology, but they're normal people besides. They have learned how to compartmentalize their life. You know what I'm saying? And some of them have businesses as mediums now, like, cause this is where we're at as a global community, like where people are starting to look into that shit. Yeah. And I you remember what's that guy's name? Is it Eric Daniels or some shit? Chris Daniels. Shit. He would go around the crowd. Edwards, it's Chris Edwards, Chris Edwards. Oh shit! I'm feeling a Monica, a Monica, a Monica. You know what I'm saying? Go around the crowd. And, oh my grandma! Was yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, like kind of shit like that. But really, I mean, from what I've experienced, it's not. I don't know. Like, you'll be around somebody, you can tell. Like this woman, or like this woman, she's she's been through some shit. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But when she tells you some otherworldly shit. It's just like you gotta bow down and kiss her feet, man. Mm -hmm. Do you how do you think like well now, you know, you've had a long music career and I'm sure you you know you're still making music and you're transitioning to other art forms, but you you definitely from what you've told me, you know, you've come into different understandings of of what you were misdiagnosed with, I should say, and and like I don't know how it's how it's accepted or, or not accepted in, in mainstream culture and stuff. I know you're like a little more aware of it now and you, you read more about it and, or you're, you're just studying more about it and stuff. Do you find that like more people are understanding? Like when you used to say the word schizophrenic to somebody 20 years ago, they, they, they just thought of somebody crazy who was in a, in a clinic, like an inpatient. Yeah, you think like smearing shit on the wall. Yeah, like, yeah. and to be fair, like the, those patients I had, they were inpatient. Like I went to a clinic they lived in and they were maybe more on the severe, uh, you know, spectrum of the diagnosis. But do you find that like what you're studying and understanding and learning now, um, do you see that maybe it's the taboos or the, the lies and, and misinformation? Actually, removed? The medications, the medications, depending on what you want, can make you schizophrenic. Yeah. Well, I, I definitely agree that a lot of the medicines that were prescribed, given force to take, have these adverse side effects that are not ever discussed in full and they can sometimes be far worse than what they're supposed to treat in the first place. If you look at the DSM-5, you see that schizophrenia is somebody who doesn't show emotion, somebody yeah. who's- But they say like, that for got, a lot of things too though, right? Like narcissists and-, and, yeah, and like, Well, there's like this catatonia though, with like yeah. schizophrenia with like, so like, so and, and now if you don't need, if you're not, I've never been like that. Like, you know, I've been pretty like quiet when I got older, I've seen a lot of shit, but- man. But I've always been emotive, you know. I was I always showed emotion. Nah, yeah, and I mean, yeah. I mean, I guess that's like knowing you in, in everything. Like I would say, in a good way, you're very emotional. I am too. I, anyone who's an artist, I think, is emotional because that's what you're exercising as fuel for your art. You know. Well, well a lot of people, a lot of people, especially men, like they they cover their emotions with yeah. uh, violence and, and, and yeah. shiny things. And, yeah. and I'm telling you, like. That's true. When I hear people talk about it, I'm like, bro, you cannot be telling these people, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And I even, even in the, in the, like, when I hear, like, say you're going to take an MC who's, who's rapping about some violent shit, I still find that there's emotion in there. The way they're channeling it or expressing it is shrouded in violence, to, like you said, to mask it. It's spiritual. It's, it's, it's fear. Like, I'm scared. There's, there's, like, my element, my immediate environment is a dangerous place. That's why I'm projecting this extreme tough guy image because it's life or death sometimes and I'm terrified. So I, I, I look through that, I read between the lines and I still see emotion within that, that facade of tough guyness. you know what I'm saying? It is, it, is, it is the modern day Negro spiritual, a lot of this hip hop you see. Like drill music is so spiritual that I listen to it a lot. Hmm. And I'm not listening to it like, I want to be like that. Yeah. I'm listening to it like, damn, listen to these young kids' spirits scream out. Yeah. That's heavy. I mean, that's like, you know, when, when Pac was- They don't know God. They don't know God. They're singing songs to us. Yeah. So you gotta be like, you know what I mean? I can't look at these kids and be like, yo, you get your fucking, like, you can't, they're singing spirituals, man. It's kind of like, all American music originated with the Negro spiritual. That's damn right. And I don't care who you are, like, and your people try to, you know, argue the fact. I'm like, bro. That's, it's true. Jazz, blues, rock and roll, Right hip-hop, all yeah. of it. All of it. Yeah. All of it. It's true. And then, like, you know, there's this group. I watched this show, uh, 
actually met their manager too. This group, uh, you ever watched Justified? No, nah, but I'm familiar with that show though. I know, I the, know the themes. Theme song. We still got you here. And uh, so they're a bluegrass group with a rapper. It was bluegrass hip hop, and I think uh, uh, when I first heard about it, it was from, from somebody like I, I knew. And then I, was, I met their manager and I hit him back like, bro. So I hit him up. I wanted to like surprise somebody I knew who really into bluegrass and shit. And I do a show, but like when I called, by the time I got in touch with them, they were already like number one on the billboard. Shit, moving up. Yeah. But that's a good thing. You know what I'm saying? But like, you know, people talk about bluegrass and you know, the white people with the banjos. Yeah. That's, that is spiritual music. These guys had nothing else to do all day mm -hmm. after a while. Like, that's that's another one of those subgenres of hip hop too, right? You know that you could say, or you know, uh, it's it's in a heavily hip hop influenced version of bluegrass, or it's a subgenre, you know. Yeah, and it's like, um, you have like, but when you talk about spirituals and, and you talk about all music spiritual, I mean, I don't I don't care classical music spirit, and you know you know, how, you know what about Britney Spears and fucking Katy Perry? Yeah, yeah, it is because. Because a lot of these kids, they're singing other people's songs. Mm -hmm. And it may be like highly produced and, and, and it, it may be even like popular, like it doesn't have sound like no soul, but the spirit, that's the spirituality in it that their souls got taken. Mm. Good perspective. You know what I mean? They're yeah. running each other's soul for, for monetary gain, no matter what we'll sing, however you or not, or it just got taken. Like oh, by the powers. The evil powers that dwell within the music industry that lurk in every fucking dark corner and bright light. Yeah. Uh, that's an interesting perspective, man. I like that. That's, that's a good eye. You've always had a good analytical eye, got to say. I, no, I've, no, I've nothing but time to think right now. <laughs> For a long time. For a long time. <laughs> uh, recently, you sent me like a few articles uh, and links and stuff that you wanted to touch on when we, we chopped it up here about about you know mental health in general and 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 schizophrenia and I mean, mental health is a, a topic that I put in my writing because of my own issues with it and something I talk about a lot with guests on here you know um, and I kind of want to just give you the, the reins give you the steering wheel on that for a little bit uh, if you wanted to you know share some of your thoughts oh, yeah so what I sent you was okay so I want to shout out uh, shout you know. Out. I want to shout out uh, all the real therapists and doctors out there who are wow. treating people properly. I want to give a shout out to the mothers and, and the, the families of people who actually suffer from these diseases and uh, the cops who understand this shit. But all right, so dyskinesia and taught of dyskinesia and dystonia and all this, these are things that are a result that sometimes when they're on the medications, they get them because they need the medication that their body's just not reacting to it right. Other times, well, I don't think anybody would really, but um, other times if you take the medication for a certain certain amount of time, the withdrawal symptoms are uh, dyskinesia and akathisia and dystonia, which your brain is brain damage, most times reversible. Now, all these mass shootings you see, you know what I'm saying? Um, when they talk about, oh, he was on, he was on, he was uh, diagnosed as, duh, 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 he was on SSO, he was on antidepressants. Yeah, yeah. You have no, you have, first of all, you have no control over your body. Mm. And then after that, you have no control over your emotions. Like something that will make you upset. You know how you get upset and you get that, that shooting up your spine? Mm. You're just like, yo, you're just like, oh man, fuck, like that. Yeah. Like when you have those forms of brain damage, which you can't, you have no process to your emotions. Something that'll hit your spine like, ah, oh, I feel like this. It turns into days and days and days of your ego kicking in and, 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 and these delusional thoughts and this anger, this murderous rage and this suicidal ideology. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like yeah. the number of people who have these forms of brain, like, you know, dyskinesia, akathisia, dystonia, um, and, the, and the rates of suicide, family family uh, massacres, uh, murder, uh, murder suicides and mass shootings, there's more from that happen that don't. Yeah. And it's worth a Google. I'm not going to bring up stats. I'm not big on stats. Like, I hate to hear people argue with statistics because, like, they don't even do everybody. Like, like statistics yeah. are taken from control groups. But, yeah, exactly. um, yeah, more often than not, something's going to happen. And now, aside from all that, then you have domestic violence, uh, drinking and driving, 
overdoses, um, you know, uh, anything, anything like, you know, somebody, you know, jumps, jumps off his roof and breaks his leg, uh, kills an animal, uh, beats, you know what I'm saying? Like, so, and I want to say, I want to say, like, I want to say, I just want people to know, like, if, if I got a chance to talk about it, then I'm going to say, like, like, just like that. Yeah. Just like that. Like, you know, and then, but what, what people can't see is the actual injury. Cause you like these people have been diagnosed with uh mental illnesses, so they see people like that. Like, oh, he's just like that. It's yeah. like now, nah, like he they're literally going through like a five-year ayahuasca trip. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Because when you're like that, I mean, depending on like a lot of times, like they don't get they don't get medical treatment. Yeah. And here's why, because the doctors know they're gonna be dead soon, and that saves them uh Yeah, why money. why why try to treat it? Why spend the time, the energy, the money and well, if you treat him, he might get well and sue somebody. Oh, and the medical industry yeah. is uh, collapsing the yeah. so. I mean, it's, it's a corrupt one. Yeah. And a lot of times, you know, like especially with 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 football and contact sports, you know, CTE. You hear people talk about it in the news a lot, and you see somebody like like a, like a wrestler or a football player who, you know, like Aaron Hernandez or Chris Benoit that kills somebody or kills their own family and then themselves, and, and they do have brain damage, but they attribute it to a physical injury causing the brain damage and what you're discussing here is medication either misused or overused or po poorly treated uh, causing a form of brain damage that's actually probably more treatable and reversible than like uh, an injury from like constant head trauma and uh and no one would assume that you know like and, yeah. and most of those people in those mass shootings when they find out and they they mentioned very briefly in the news that yeah this guy was on SSRIs all these things it usually becomes a gun control argument and we don't have to get into that but rarely does the discussion ever ever even for a second focus on what was this person on these medications for and what does that that mental health issue really mean in a larger scale why would it lead someone possibly to shoot up a school or whatever and it's just never really discussed in depth and it never gets to the point of like, is that medication and that, is there some mismanagement with it causing a, a bigger problem? Yeah. And so especially if somebody can't filter their emotions and they're reaching out for help and nobody's listening to them because they think they're crazy, they're dismissing them. And, or, or yeah, like cries for help get mistaken for jokes, mistaken for, oh, he's just being weird, he's like that, or he's drunk or, you know. Like you can see it too, because like, I met people who survived and I, I, walked, I sent you one of the videos of the guy. He was actually in the yeah. video like this, looking like Ali. Yeah. And trying to tell people like, this is what it looks like. This is what it feels like. So, I mean, I, I, could, I could probably say. Yeah. Sip. Like, if I don't kick my legs, I'm going to die. Like, so if like your legs cramp up, you have to kick them. Like, that's what I think it would probably be like. Because, and, and not even to that point, like this, you just can't control it. Yeah. You understand, yeah. like, because I saw the dude like this. Yeah. And he's like, he's like, I've been alone, just locked in here for, for months. Fuck, man. You know what I'm saying? Trying to get over this. I can't go nowhere. I can't be around nobody. And, like, so akathisia is mostly the lower part of the body, mm. which is one part of the brain. And then the dyskinesia is the upper part of the body, which is another part of the brain. But then you got to think about uh, if you have both, right, then your whole brain is lit up. Mm. like a baby's yeah it's like and you know you just mentioned something that made me think of some shit that like you're talking to this guy who's been you know he's been locked he said he was like locked away for months or just isolated for months i think there's a severe a severely negative excuse me ramification that comes from humans being isolated for whatever like you know in jail the worst form of punishment is is being in the hole Isolation, right? That's a big form of punishment anywhere. And long periods of time being deprived of human interaction, regardless of where your mental health is, you could be the healthiest motherfucker ever. You know, take the COVID lockdowns in the beginning, for example, people that didn't see people for months and months and months, it can be really damaging. And I have a lot of family and friends who were trying to be clean, family and friends that relapsed during COVID because they were so locked away that, you know, they got back into their addictions and they're fucked up in the game. And anybody, when you're when you're deprived of human interaction, it's not good for you. I don't care how healthy or unhealthy you are, uh, mentally, physically, whatever. But if you take somebody who's dealing with some severe mental health issues, and they're kind of deprived of human interaction, or maybe they're only interacting with other people within, say, a clinical setting, um, 
I think it creates like maybe a false interpretation of what it could be like to interact in, the, in a greater society in, in the world. And that only compounds the issue they have, you know? I think it's, um, <clears throat> at least that's what I, my, my thoughts. <sighs> yeah, it's deep. Sorry, Holi- I ain't trying to get too deep on you. Holistically, right? Uh, like say soul, body, spirit. People don't understand, like when people say soul, the original term for that is basically mind. Mm. So your Wait, mind, your, your mind is your emotions. Your mind is, is, is your consciousness. And um, your body processes that. So you'll see people like, you know, dudes like, they, uh, you see dudes in the street or something or dudes that been through war and they always just had a stone face. Yeah, the hundred yard <laughs> stare, yeah. Yeah, but they can, they can be like having a fucking like maelstrom inside their mind at the moment. They can yeah. be chaos in their mind at the moment. What they're doing is their bodies, their bodies staying like that because if something pop off, I'm not gonna not be able to do what I need to do to survive. Yeah, 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 they've been- You know what I'm saying? So, yeah. yeah. I, heard, I heard one guy recently, hey, you hear somebody, you know, like, yo man, what's up with you? Oh, I'm good. Yeah. Like, like nah, he ain't good. Yeah, exactly. Yo. yo, I hate, I don't know, tell me how you feel about this. Like. I used to lie when people would be like, yo, what's good? How you doing? And I think it was everyone's inclination naturally. Like, yeah, I'm good. I'm chilling. And for so much of that time, I wasn't good. And then I got to a point some years ago. I'm like, I'm not going to just say I'm good. Like if someone asked me, if you were asking me, that means you really want to know, or you're just going through the emotions of courtesy. But I'm like, yeah, am I? Or like, nah, shit's fucked up right now. Like, I'm not going to lie anymore. I'm like, yeah, I'm good. Like, don't ask me that question if you're ready for the answer. I might be terrific sipping a margarita on the beach, but I might be like really fucking depressed wanting to use the gun under my bed or sad like <laughs> my girlfriend ripped my heart out, threw it under the bus or whatever it is, you know? So if you ask me, I'll be like, you know what? I'm not doing that good today. My mother's not well. I pulled a muscle in my lower back and fucking I'm stressed <laughs> you know? So I hate that lying because everyone's like, how are you? I'm good, I'm good. No, not we're not all fucking good. I know you're not good. You're telling her you're good, but I know you're not because your mom's got fucking terminal. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Tripping. So, you know, we lie because it ain't cool to talk about that. No one really wants to hear that sob story. We just ask, how are you doing? Because that's what we're supposed to do. Well, I mean, I mean, if I ask somebody how they're doing, I mean it. Like, I'll see I know you do, you know, and, and there's people like you or me, you know. That, that but then like when you don't, like, we did not like that people who think you are assholes. Yo, nothing's a cooler party downer than when you, like myself, go to a place, a function, and someone does ask you, and you do say that. Everyone's like, okay, like, way to bring it in, you know. <laughs> so then I got to throw some wacky joke and insult someone right after that just to, like, make up for it. Like, look, I'm not crazy. It's okay. Let's all be smart. <laughs> no, it's all right, you know. But, yeah. Um, this, like, you know, this, the – the, the stigmas that are surround all that shit. And like, everyone likes to say how the stigmas around mental health are starting to dissipate and there's more discourse, which there is. I still think for most people, like they're talking about it, but it doesn't mean that people have accepted or understand these things or like welcoming about it, you know? Yeah, it's yeah. It's just one of those things like, uh, you know, what we see today, um, cancel call. Yeah. Like I've been hearing a lot. Of, I was hearing a lot about it when I first got to Vietnam, but then, like even to that, that people are still talking about like, why wow, that shit should have faded away a long time ago? Because what you're doing is destroying, you're taking away, away you're, ta- you're taking away how a person feeds themselves. Yeah, yeah. Because you're feeling them, mm. and yeah. it's crazy because like that's like me going to a KKK rally. Like, you know what it is. Yeah, yeah. You don't go to a KKK rally and just like, you offended me when you use them words. Like, these are people, are fucked up people off. going through fucked up things, trying to make other fucked up people laugh. Like, me or whatever it is. You know, I heard somebody say, they, uh, Wu-Tang got canceled because they used this back. I'm like, oh, Who sit it down. Ain't nobody going to sit it down. Yeah, ain't nobody going to get out of here clean. Nobody get out of here clean. Can't cancel Wu-Tang. You want to know why you can't cancel Wu-Tang? Because there's like some 43-year-old white woman and her fucking husband at like a <laughs> brunch with like $25 pancakes. It's a Wu-Tang brunch. And like, they don't listen to hip hop like they used to, but they still like a Wu-Tang brunch. And it's all cool. And they bring their mixed race child there and eat overpriced shit. And it's all peaceful. <laughs> and that's okay. Wu-Tang won't get canceled because of that shit. 
You know, because Cheryl is eating $25 pancakes at a Wu-Tang brunch. We're good. I hope. <laughs> Oh. Now nah, that's what it is. It's, it's, it's part of American culture. Yeah, yeah. And I, like I, I've, I've, I've been listening. Well, I, I did it a couple of times at a uh, the Creative Meditation album. Mm, yeah. I, I did that. I was in the sauna. I listened to that one day. And um, yeah, man. Like I like I like to see him continue to go. You know what I'm saying? And his teacher, the guy who taught him, uh, Shaolin Kung Fu, has a temple in Europe. Uh. And I watch his videos all the time. Yeah. But you got to think about that. Like who, who are we, right? Like, what do we do? What is your culture? Yeah. Like it's the people who are canceling other people. Like you just, you just don't like culture. Well, it's like it's just uh, speaking of American culture that goes back to like the Salem witch trials and early stages of quote unquote America. You know, uh, fucking you know, stoning people in the town square, shit. You know, and I mean, there's there's a difference. I and I've talked about this a million times too. A difference versus holding people accountable and canceling them. Yeah. I think holding people accountable, you keep a discourse open and you you discuss and explain why things are right and wrong. And 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 the canceling is just a way to kind of just it's you you can use things, phrases, terms, labels to to cancel someone almost as a weapon, you know, almost as like a tactic. Oh um, no, it just it definitely has I've seen it done. Yeah. I've seen I've 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 heard people tell people like behind the scenes like Hey, yo, do what I'm telling you to do. I have you canceled. I'm a powerful yeah, blackmail. It's blackmail. I mean, uh, age old fucking strategic move. You know, it's it's it's, it's weird. You know, and and I mean, we all have some something to a certain degrees that we're not proud of, but sometimes we don't hide them. Like I know you to be a very uh, transparent individual. I consider myself the same. Like we both put everything on the table, whether it's in our music or books or whatever, like very, it, even just if you were to meet Quiz or myself in real life, uh, you know, it's the same shit, you get it all. I, I don't hide my my things I'm not proud of. And me putting them out there is a way for me to not only acknowledge them, but to show you that I'm, I'm aware of them. I'm not not aware, you know, I'm working through them and I'm not proud of this and I don't like this about me, but, and hopefully if someone else is to hear or read that in your music or my books, maybe it'll help them be honest in acknowledging their own things they're not proud of. And then they can get that off their chest throughout their mind and work through it and, and actually better themselves, you know? Like I, when, I, when, I, uh, when I first woke up, you know what I'm saying? I was writing all this angry music, mm. you know, shoot. Like, like instead of me going out there and wanting to do a mass shooting, I made an album. Healthier. I was shooting everybody I came across. And then after I did that one, and that, that's kind of like the anger. Yeah. And then, you know what I'm saying? And at the same time, I was out. you got to get it out somehow. You got to hit the punching bag. You got to hit the booth and put it on the track. You do that's that. The, that's so the one, you do it in real life. One, the one bullet could change the world. That was that one. I love that title. Not, you you always put um, it coming up with like titles for songs and albums, man. I've always admired that. I, I used to read a lot. <laughs> Bro, you are like one of those um, like minds, like a sponge. Like you read shit and you retain that shit. Not only do you retain it, lot, it to, to like regurgitate it, not that sounds derogatory, regurgitate. You're able to speak it back to other motherfuckers. Like you hold it but so- But verbatim more like- but Yeah, you properly and, and you take the philosophy out of it all, you know? But uh, that, that people have been saying that my whole life. But yeah. that's a sign, that's a sign of the IQ. Like, yeah. Be able to do that, Yeah, you know? Also, there's also, um there's a spiritual component. Like people who are spiritual, they, they retain a lot of memories. Yeah, yeah. You know, and happy people, happy people retain a lot of memories because they don't have a lot of bad ones. Yeah. Even though, even though, like, they do have bad ones, they just like some people just know how to deal with these things. You know what I'm saying? Like, I know I feel you. you I always like used to, and still am sometimes, like jealous of people I know who are like naturally more upbeat or, 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 or like you know take those things in stride a little better. Uh, or they don't, you know, whatever. I'm like, God damn, these motherfuckers. Uh, but in a, in, a, in a positive jealousy, like, I, I, I admire that. I, I aspire to be like that. You know, maybe one day I will, you know. Uh, until then, I wear my bad shit on my sleeve like my good shit, you know. At least so then I'm, I'm always aware of it. It's out there. It's not like a hidden, deep, dark secret that I'm scared of people knowing about. I'll tell you the most embarrassing shit about me. So they made that joint, um, like a tattoo. Mm. You know what I'm saying? So... <clears throat> People look at my tattoos. These ain't gang tattoos. Like these are these are shame. These are my shame right here. Pain, a lot of a lot of pain in in, in, in your tattoos. Well, I, yeah, I, I would say my scars are shame, and my tattoos are pain. Mm. 
You know what I'm saying? Because I got scars all over my face, my head. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. You know, Reddo's dog bit me. Did I tell you that one? No, he left a scar. The dog bit you. Busted. Oh yeah, my chest, my, my chest, my chest is deformed. He said that dog never did that. Bit you in the chest. Or since, yeah. Yeah, how's a dog bite you in the chest? You must have jacked went, like she, right, bust, like pectoral muscles right now. Well, I was. She jumped off the steps. Uh. I was um. Yeah, she went for my neck. So when I put my arms out, I crossed my arms on the neck like that, and she put just she just went in on me. I felt like I got stabbed with a bunch of spoons, bro. Did you get a, a rabies shot? Yeah, they gave me a rabies shot, and then um. So now my chest is deformed. I got keloids. I actually yeah, got one, a scar on my chest. What about that big? I got one when I was like in seventh grade. Definitely not as cool as a pitbull. It was my friend and me were like <laughs> we were fighting, cool. and he punched me with like some like we were ring. And it's like scarred like here, very small, like between my pectorals. Not as badass as a pit bull at all, but you know. But it's bad as it's bad as pit bull. Like I was gonna like, I wanted to kill that dog. And I had to fight him a little bit. I had to fight a little bit afterwards. Hell yeah. Like, yo. Fuck like, yeah. yeah. Dogs are strong, dude. Then I walked away. I was like, I, I was like, yo, like, I, cause she, cause then she came back, tried to go for my leg. I was kicking her and shit. She wanted seconds, dude. That 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 quiz meat was too tasty. They wanted. Oh, yeah, bro. I was, like, I was gonna go back and feed that dog rat poison, man. <laughs> Bro, you know, I mean, I love animals and, and but shit. I shouldn't have dogs. been around better like that. Uh, but I'm saying, like, listen, if, if a dog's trying to take me out, just like a bear, just like a motherfucking human, if it's if it's you or the other opposing animal, which humans are too, fuck all that. I don't care if it's Fido or a motherfucking 10 crazy dudes in the woods. <laughs> right, right. Bears on steroids. Like, I'm trying to save my life. Your, your instincts kick in. And a lot of people who say, well, I wouldn't do that. They've never been put in a situation where it's fucking sink or swim. And it's scary as fuck when the first time you're in that. But if you, you'll learn something quick about yourself. If you're ever put in that situation and you react quick and do some ill G shit to save yourself, you learn, look, no matter how bad it gets, if I'm ever putting that again, I know how I'm going to act. And I don't even, it's like a mechanism. You don't even think yeah. about it. It just happens. Yeah. You know? that's, that's what training is for. Yeah. I mean, you know yeah. I mean, you you did uh you did full contact crowd with God. Yeah, but, but when I was young, I did uh I did Shaolin Kempo when I was like nine, 10, 11, and I, I actually sparred because you can't spar in crowd with God really. So I sparred in the full, Kempo full shit. body shit though. You did like full contact. Oh yeah, but but like you couldn't like you can't fake break a neck and stomp a yeah, face, yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we'd like only do in Kempo, we were like doing karate kicks, but we had the fucking headgear on, we did little tournaments, but it was true, it's preparing you so you're not scared in the combat. But you know, nah, but that's good. I think like so. I think like that's another thing too. When we talk about the the times we live in, there's nothing wrong with conditioning your body. I mean, we all have two legs and two hands. I want to tell somebody to go out there, you know, and learn how to you know beat people up, learn like learn how to fight in all these extreme situations. But just continue, like just run a little bit, exercise, Play right, stretch, exercise. Wood. Yeah. And then what it, it what it does is good for your mind, but it's also it keeps it keeps you living longer and actually keeps yeah. you calm. Yeah, like you see I mean, me now. Yeah. You know what I mean? Calm it's all there. connected too, man. That mind, body, soul shit is is all connected. And people I think devalue that. Like if you're if you're neglecting your body, say you, you meditate every day, you're on your spiritual shit and you read and you eat right, but you never do nothing for your body, you could still wrestle with anxiety and depression and, and all that. Like, dude, when I'm super anxious and, and fucking bugging out, if I work out, whether it's surfing, push-ups, chin-up, whatever, it, it's like, it exercises that energy, gets it out of my system, and now my mind is more calm. I feel more centered, you know? You're like, um, I was, you know, they were talking about the Ukraine and Russia last night. Oh, you yeah. don't say, you mean, you mean not everybody on social media is talking everybody. about Everybody. I, I don't have social media, so when it was bringing oh, it up, I was like, what the oh, fuck happened? Good for so, us. You're too good, Chris. Nah, it's not too good. It's I, I'm fucking cloudy, bro. I'm jealous. I want it on social media. But um, I uh, my my favorite box is from the Ukraine. One Your of them. boss? Natalie uh, Lomachenko. Oh, oh, boxer, you said. Yeah, boxer. I think you yeah. said boss, like crime boss. Nah, like Lomachenko, they call him the Matrix, bro. Like, yeah. I mean, he's doing shit you haven't, you haven't never seen people do. And um, I watched his training videos and like, he, he has a sports psychologist. Like he solves math problems while he trains and shit. Like he holds his breath underwater. Like he he said it's higher time, high, like he just floating while he holds his breath for 10 minutes underwater. You ain't you ain't gonna get somebody out like that to yeah. slip up under no They're kind of pressure. breaking under pressure, yeah. 
patient. And now that's all I mean, condition yourself. Even like, I'm not saying like, you have to go roll around on the floor with people. But if you meditate for 20 minutes a day, yeah. if you meditate for 20 minutes a day, even if you get rattled, you're more likely to think before you respond because you already, your body's conditioned to go places. Yeah, pushing your limits. Up. So you go into your subconscious when you meditate. Yeah. But you're awake, you know what I'm saying? And that helps you not have to always do shadow work every 10 years. Like you meditate, and this is what I'm trying to get to. I'm not saying it because I'm nasty. This is something I'm trying to get to, but you meditate every day as a grounded technique. And you go, you're, you're, you're just, you want to get to nothingness. That's what the Taoists teach. You want to get to that nothingness, please. And you're in your subconscious. What you do, like, is you get rattled. Like, if you're not responding, if somebody doesn't respond to me that you know that's into that, but they got, they still got that. That's because they thinking before they respond. Yeah. And they're responding with truth. I mean, if they're about that, you know what I mean? I mean, so many times I've been disappointed with myself reacting without thinking. And you try to slow yourself down in the moment so that you're not doing that. And I think the only thing, at least for me, that really helped me get to a place where I'm thinking in the moment and, and thinking well before I react is is like experience, is like having to unfortunately go through those hectic situations. Cause like the first time when you're young and you're thrown in these crazy things, like you just don't know what's going on. And and uh, when you've been through a few, you're like, okay, word, I don't have to panic right now. I know what I'm supposed to do. <laughs> panic is the last thing you do. And it's ill when you get to that point, not to brag or something, and you're around someone else who does start to panic and you can remain calm, but like, look, look, I know you're worried about X, Y, and Z. None of that's gonna solve our problem right here. This is what you need to do. Just let, and, and your confidence and calm can provide confidence and calm for them. And then you can react accordingly. I mean, you have done that before when I was young, you know? Yeah, no, like this, that's the, you know, we'd be out at shows. I remember you uh, spared, spared the dude off the stage. Oh, you? yeah. <laughs> Yo, that's my big brother right there. I'm not going to not jump and take a kid off the stage. Listen, <laughs> if you're ever doing a live comedy show and a heckler looks like he's coming, I'm I'm going for him. I'm going to Goldberg that. <laughs> I never felt more like a WWF wrestler than when I Goldberg did it. <laughs> Yeah. I'm pretty fit now, though. You know. Yeah. Oh, oh yo. Yeah. Well, just like like another example is we would we did a show in a club in in Boston. And it's no longer there. It was a downstairs club, the Milky Way and JP. We're outside. We're smoking weed. We're you know probably drunk, and we're talking to some other dudes who are you know peers of ours. And they had a a gentleman, not MC, another white dude, fresh out, you know, just came home. And he's talking some whatever, and I'm not even really aware. And this gentleman's like really confident, kind of like keep pulling his shirt up, flashing his piece that's in his waistband. And uh, he's, he's feeling himself. And then Quiz is right there next to me. And he's such a calm, smooth individual as you are. I love the look on this kid's face, man. It was like cement. And, and then Quiz goes, oh, cool. What's that? Just being funny. <laughs> Reaches over, takes the gun out of the kid's waistband and looks at it just like it's like, oh, this is a cool new issue of this magazine. <laughs> and the kid is like frozen, dumbfounded. <laughs> And all the cool fell out of his walk, all that. Yeah. Nah, he was begging me to get that shit. He's like, please give it back. back, back. Put it like back in his waistband. Here you go. I think you're giving his gun back to him, scared him even more than you taking it. And it was all so calm. And that's what that's probably the scariest thing that you were so calm and relaxed. But that was probably more than medication, <laughs> That was a great story. That was probably more than medication yeah. than anything. <laughs> but like, yeah, no, nah, it was it was unnecessary for him to do that. Like you can see, like, like he's like he that motherfucker shot people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. You can tell someone's really grimy and, 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 and shit. He like shot that. people, so I, mean, I don't know what it was. I don't know. I didn't know if you even knew him, but no, I didn't. Was. He knew those dudes. That we I won't mention them on there. He just came home, so I don't think he knew that we were cool with them and they was cool with us. So he was just also when there's like only two white dudes in a in a place. It's Jake, like, Jake, you're a yeah. you're a. I mean, besides the rap, you're a big hulking presence. Bro. Me. Like, like six five, like you know what I mean? Uh-huh. Like, six three, but yeah, big. big. Didn't want to do a whole. You're fucking working out in the gym and shit at the time. You know what I mean? Like in my mind, though, bro, I'm always five nine and a half. Once <laughs> it comes, little dude, and I. No, I, yo, I got the same problem. I always because you know what? You feel how you feel. You feel the size you are. Yeah. When you really started fighting around. Yeah, I still feel like you I'm a fifteen year old kid, man. In the, in the, like, when I, you start fighting a lot, you always feel that size. Yeah, man. Until you go to buy clothes or some shit, and there's nothing your size, or you rip your sweatshirt, putting your arm through. 
realize, <laughs> oh, oh, I can't fit in this plane seat or this bus seat because my knees are smashing through the fucking seat. Fuck you, American Airlines. Yeah, and then you realize you're big. It sucks. <laughs> I sometimes I wish I was five nine for a lot of reasons. Experience, I learned that. I'm like, oh shit, I can still kind of like think clear. Yeah. But like now, <clears throat> I mean, I mean, I, I suffered traumatic brain injury, so mm. um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I'll be around the crib, like I said, I would say some wild. Like I listen, I said some fucked up shit about you. Everybody ever met in my life, I would say fucked up like. Fuck this motherfucker. Yeah. I'm like, why am I saying that? And it, it could just be that you haven't talked to me enough, you know? Yeah. No, I mean, it could, I, it, or, or it can just be I feel a way about I feel you or some way, or you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, but like it's it's crazy because because then you think back, like, why the fuck did I like my doctor was telling me I got a counselor now? He's like, listen, there's that like you're gonna say and do things, and after you say and do them, you're gonna feel like shit. You're not gonna go, I don't know why. And a lot of times it's not even connected to anything, really. Um but like I, you know, I got supportive. Like my mom supports me. She's basically her and her, her husband's basically all I got left. My brother back in my life now. Okay. But <clears throat> being in them situations like, as a rapper and in the condition I was in, and like, cause you know, I got I got around, bro, all different types of shit. Like, I know. I mean, we don't even have band, to like different bands, different bands. Like besides, like what I learned most, man, was um. Music, music. Well, like, I learned. Oh, I learned how to write. Write. I learned how to write rock songs. I learned how. It felt like I was going to like music boot camp. Mm. You see what I'm saying? Because it was like there was not much I could do as far as ambition and and, and and capabilities to travel and shit goes. And um, but, so you know, I had time. Like I was sitting around. Yeah, like a cage, like a caged ape. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Like even a zoo, but I had time to contemplate all these things and learn all these things, like to the point where my music intelligence just went through the roof at one point. Yeah, I mean, you were wildly prolific as a writer, regardless. But your your knowledge and, and and appreciation for various kinds of music, and I think the best musicians are the ones who are into different kinds of music. Your appreciation and, and love for different styles of music was always there, and it was evident in like the music you would make whether it was like an Amadeus and Stampede album or like you were doing Frequency 7 shit with your band and, and, and the people you would hang with, the art, you know, you're hanging out with a jazz artist or some wild reggae dude or some, some dude, a young hip hop kid making music that sounds nothing like what you would make. You always kept an open mind and I think that helps you stay youthful as a, as a writer, as a creator, you know? Regardless of you're gonna make that style of music, but it's, you're not shutting off your, your window, man. Yeah, there's always that uncomfortable thing you feel. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. you're kind of like challenging yourself. Like, yo, how do I relate to this person? Yeah. Like, in conversation, and so I can get to learn what he knows. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And we like, yeah. you know, Boston is a, is, a, is a very musical city. I don't think it gets the credit uh, for any musical shit, you know. But aside from the hip hop history, I mean, you got, you know, lot, it was a huge jazz hub back in the day. There's fucking soca stars from there. And, and then, you know, there's a lot of rock and roll artists and shit. And, my great, my great grandfather used to play with the big bands. He played with Lou Armstrong. Hell yeah! This is the man. This is the man who raised me. You know what I'm saying? South, he End, died. South End was the fucking huge jazz hub in the Northeast. You know, um, my and my stepfather played the trombone, jazz trombone. So he would, he would take me. He would go every night. He would go there. He would bring it like when he could, like most, like almost every week. Yeah. You know, he would go and bring his trombone because he knew they was gonna call him up. See, you know, because he went to a good college. He wrote, he rolled in a good circle of people and. Yeah. Back in the day, like if you played an instrument, like people like 70, 80 yeah. years old, 90 years old, yeah. if you played music, you played jazz. And you played it. You played jazz, you played the. Yeah, and you played it till you were old too. You were gigging, dude. You know, dudes didn't quit. I mean, yo, yo, Chris, what do, who, who is the worst band from Boston ever? And why <laughs> is it Aerosmith? <laughs> dude looks like lady. The song dude looks like lady. Just the concept, the video. Are you fucking kidding you me? Look like a lady. It's crazy.